Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, July 19th, and today Bill Cohan joins us to discuss the showdown between Twitter and Elon Musk. Twitter wants him to pay up for backing away from his $44 billion offer, but can the billionaire outlast and outspend and outlawyer the company? Bill has some theories. We'll hear about all that and more in today's episode Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life happy tuesday powers that be listeners i am joined today by bill cohan who unsurprisingly to everyone who listens to this podcast he and i are going to talk about elon musk and twitter i feel like the first chapter of us talking about this bill was a lot of like speculation but now like that these back and forth uh, memos and lawsuits and legal arguments and court filings are happening. I feel like we have some more meat to discuss. Uh, and you wrote about this uh, over the weekend in your piece, The Case Against Elon. The legal war here is just starting. What is the latest as of this taping? Well, Peter, it's always great to be here with you. <laughs> Thank you for so, saying that. Uh, I feel like I always launch to a preamble and forget to say hi. It's great to see you. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> so... Um, as of this moment, there's actually a couple of developments. So I think on whatever it was on Friday, you know, Elon's lawyers at uh, Skadden and Quinn Emanuel responded that they didn't want an expedited hearing. They didn't want four days in September. They wanted it like in February. And by the way, uh, this bots issue is uh, for real. And so don't think it isn't, you know, it's material, it's, it's everything. Today, the lawyers for Twitter 
Simpson Thatcher, Wilson Sonsini, and Wachtel, you know, the big kahuna that was brought in to try this case, if it ever gets tried at the Court of the Chancery in Wilmington, Delaware, basically said, you know, it's ridiculous. It, there doesn't need to be a delay till February. We need the expedited trial. And, and they made the very good point that the Twitter stock is trading every day in the market, all day, every day. And people are buying the stock. It's actually, I mean, this is what the insanity is. It's, it's traded up since Elon said he wanted to tank the deal, which, you know, should pretty much be the opposite of <laughs> what would happen unless shareholders have this crazy view that maybe he's, you know, the compromise will be that he'll recut the deal at a lower price and buy it, or the compromise, there won't be a compromise and it'll be forced to buy the company for $54.20 a share for $44 billion, which strikes me as beyond absurd that that'll ever happen. I mean, I mean, they might get a judgment that he has to do it, but him actually doing it is something completely different. So the point of Wachtell lawyers at the moment is that, you know, the stock is trading every day in the market and shareholders don't have information. It's all totally speculation at this point. They just don't have the information that they should have to decide whether to buy this thing. And by delaying it till February, uh, you know, that's nine more months of not having the information that they need to make rational decisions about whether to buy this stock. And then the other thing that happened or the rumors that is going to happen is that Elon is now going to sue Twitter. You know, so far, Twitter has sued Elon. Now, Elon is thinking about or is about to sue Twitter, trying to get them to pony up some sort of money to him, of all things. So Elon could pay, theoretically, a billion dollars more quickly. That doesn't seem likely now. I, I don't know that that's operative legally or, or practically anymore. Right, right. That's sort of what I was getting at. Yeah, I, don't, I think that's kind of off the table, realistically. I, I don't think that... The, the reasons for that billion-dollar walk-away fee are operative at the moment. Yeah. And Twitter, I feel like in their lawsuit, makes that pretty clear. I mean, they are going to come forward with lots of evidence <laughs> saying that he violated this merger agreement in XYZ ways. But you mentioned in your piece, one, some people <laughs> are, are throwing out the number $5 billion. And they might pay $5 million and be able to walk away. Well, some people, i.e. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, the, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Sorry, you're right. That prediction pulled out of thin air is more than obviously the billion-dollar walkaway fee that no longer seems viable. But Scott Galloway on, on the Pivot podcast mentioned more like $16 billion. Do you think that eventually what will happen is Elon will pay some dollar amount just to walk away? Is this actually going to just be fought out in the courts? And we're going to see what's in Discovery. You know, the guy is so freaking unpredictable and unconventional and doesn't abide by the laws of society or nature, which is probably why he's the world's richest guy because he thinks outside the box. But I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but I mean, who gins up a $44 billion deal for a company that's not for sale? Okay. That does not want <laughs> right. to be sold convinces the board, really boxes the board into a place where they have no choice but to accept it. 
because uh-huh. otherwise they'll get sued up the wazoo by shareholders who are wondering what happened to my 5420 in cash. And then after he does all that, decides he doesn't want to buy the company and thinks he can just sort of slink away and not have to abide by the ironclad contract that he signed. I mean, I was uh, an M&A guy for 17 years. I've been following it now for another 17, 18 years. That's 35 years of M&A experience. And I've never heard of anything like this. Just like I've never heard of anybody ever putting up $33.5 billion of their own equity, promising to put up $33.5 billion of their own equity into a $44 billion deal. I've the whole thing is completely outside the box. And so it's it's hard to know what is going to happen. I, I threw out the $5 billion number because it's something that will obviously, you know, appeal to Twitter, is completely immaterial to the world's richest guy, is more than the $1 billion that I just don't think is operative anymore, but is less than what Scott Galloway was talking about, and what he was really talking about is that he thinks that if Elon loses the judgment against him in Delaware court, that whatever the difference is between $44 billion in cash that he promised and the value of Twitter at that time is what he'll have to pay. And I, as a proxy for the value of Twitter at that time, I just looked at where it's basically trading now, which is about $28 billion. So the difference between 44 and 28 is the 16. So, I mean, Scott Galloway is probably, you know, suggesting that the 16 might be operative. I just don't see that ever happening. I mean, I think Elon would rather litigate until people start populating Mars than pay $16 billion, let alone pay $44 billion to buy a company, again, that he does not want to buy and that does not want to be sold to him or probably to anybody else. So we're really in theater of the absurd at this point, and which is why I think, okay, people, I know you got your lawyers, they're great lawyers, you know, and they've got their nuclear lawyer missiles trained on each other. But, you know, um, cooler heads somehow are going to have to prevail. And I don't know what's going to be the catalyst for that. But I think $5 billion would get it done. Well, thank you for pulling that out of thin air. I hope the lawyers are listening. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back uh, with more from Bill about Elon. Bill, you mentioned cooler heads prevailing. If I was a betting man, I would say that the cooler heads are mostly on the Twitter side of the equation here. And (laughs) Elon Musk is not one of those cooler heads. But I was just thinking when you were talking, imagine being one of his lawyers, like, or anyone on this legal team. Like, first of all, it is a statement of fact that among the exalted founders of the world, especially tech companies, They are sometimes combustible. Sometimes if they don't like what you're being told, you fire someone, bring on someone new. You write about this episode that was part of Twitter's complaint, actually, about Bob Swan, who is the former Intel CEO and was advising Elon on this deal. And you write, on June 23rd, according to Twitter's complaint, 
Elon texted Twitter management that he had fired Swan from the deal team. We are not on the same wavelength, Elon wrote. And then when Twitter asked Elon who would be replacing Swan as someone Twitter management could communicate with, there was no response. And so anyway, it just feels like, like you said, Elon could just keep paying legal fees to whoever just to not pay $16 billion. And he could do that forever. And it'd be a lot cheaper than settling for $5 billion or even paying the $1 billion, let alone the $16 billion. Exactly. And then Twitter, it doesn't have, look, they're somewhat of a mature company at this point, but like they don't have the liquidity, especially in a down market, to keep paying this like legal fight for this. I mean, it's just like, they. it's just been such an interesting dynamic because Twitter is not Apple. Twitter is not Google. Twitter is not Meta. Like it, they get lumped in with big tech and we all assume that they have all this money to spend all the time. And like Twitter doesn't make that much money, which is like the reason in the first place that this deal happened because of what you just said. Shareholders are like, oh, 44 billion. That sounds great. Way better than where we're at now. And so it just feels like when you play this out in the long run, your sense of this feels like the exact way it's going to play out, which is just endless legal fights until there's some kind of number. It's clear to me that Twitter has the upper hand legally. Okay, that's... That's great. That's fascinating for law students. (laughs) But in the real world, perfecting that judgment, I mean, the Delaware courts, you know, I don't think they even have a jail. You know, how are they going to make somebody who doesn't want to buy something, buy something that somebody doesn't want to sell to them, let alone for $44 billion? But we're in uncharted territory because, you know, his, his resources are infinite, especially f- for legal fees. I mean, just uh, th- that'll be a whole lot less than settling for $1 billion, $5 billion, $44 billion. I mean, he can litigate all day long. The real problem for Elon is being out of business with Wall Street. He can't afford to be out of business with Wall Street. Tesla cannot afford to be out of business with Wall Street. I'm pretty sure SpaceX cannot afford to be out of business with Wall Street. So he has to repair that relationship. And part of repairing that relationship is having people forget about this pathetic episode. One thing I want to ask you because of your long and storied M&A chapter in your life uh, is this is sort of uncomfortable for Twitter. But if you look at the timeline of Twitter's market value or market cap, where it is today, which is around... $29 $29 billion, $30 billion. That's where it is as we're taping this. It was trading around or less than that before Elon Musk made that offer. Then it went up, yes. And then it went back down when, you know, it, all this drama came and when Elon started criticizing Twitter, it went back down. But if you take out that section of time when Elon went in for 9% to now, I mean, the company is either at where it was before all of this started or it's even more valuable than where it was as it all started. So like, how does that news square with like Twitter's argument that Elon is materially hurting the company? Because the market cap value is basically the same. There was a time last year, last fall, when I think 5420 was a meaningful premium above where it had been trading, both when Elon was buying stock between January and March and when he made his, his offer. In these situations, the fact that it had been trading at 70 bucks a share is completely irrelevant. The only thing that matters is 
is $54.20 in cash fare from a financial point of view to the Twitter shareholders. And, you know, while everybody else was doubting whether this deal could happen or how crazy it was or whether someone would come along and top it, to me, it was obvious that the board would have no choice but to accept this deal because it was beyond fair. So that that's the only thing that matters. And of course, the board quickly came to that view, as did its financial advisors at Goldman Sachs and J.B. Morgan Chase. And so they quickly moved towards the merger agreement on April 25th that was now characterized as airtight and, you know, that Elon's trying to get out of. So what shocks me is that instead of trading down into the 20s, where I think it would trade, you know, if this deal just completely went away because tech stocks in general have collapsed, like, you know, look at Snap for one, uh, uh, not to bring, you know, talk about the rope in the house of the hanged, but, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, what's keeping this afloat is that shareholders of Twitter are realizing that they think, and I think they'll probably be wrong, but they think that this is a tremendous asset. This may be Twitter's best asset. This lawsuit, this merger agreement, this signed merger agreement with Elon Musk, the world's richest man, may be the best asset that Twitter has. That explains a little bit why the stock is trading in the 30s now instead of in the 20s. But we're a long way from it being Twitter's best asset to monetizing that asset. Correct. We're a long way away from Twitter shareholders being able to show up on a yacht in Mykonos and get hosed down by Ari Emanuel, which is what Elon Musk did this weekend, according to photos in the New York Post. <laughs> but by the way, but I'll right. let you go right now, Bill. But one thing I want to say before I leave, uh, Elon Musk just tweeted as, as uh, I was talking to you. Hmm about these photos of him shirtless and Mykonos partying and looking very pale. Very um, pale. He replied to someone tweeting out a picture and said, ha ha, damn, maybe I should take off my shirt more often, free the nip. And then under that in parentheses, he said, already back in the factory, by the way, which suggests he wants his Tesla people to know that he's working hard and cares about the Tesla company just as much as the Twitter deal and getting hosed down by Ari Emanuel in Greece. All right, Bill, thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 